everybody, good morning. Welcome, welcome to Coastal. I'm Pastor Chris. Uh, great to have you with us this morning. We are in week four of our series entitled At the Movies. Uh, raise your hand if you've ever seen the movie Jaws. Woo, okay, most, probably most of you. Even if you've never seen the movie, everybody recognizes that music, right? I mean, that is just some scary, scary stuff. Um, John Williams composed uh, the movie's musical score. It earned him an Academy Award. And get this, later was ranked as the sixth greatest musical score of all time by the American Film Institute. Uh, today's movie, of course, could not have come at a better time because we're having a baptism today at Folly Beach, uh, you know, County Park at 5 o'clock today, and uh, there's nothing like swimming around in the ocean after talking about giant man-eating sharks, so uh, in fact, I, I remember the first time I saw the movie as a kid, um, that summer I was so afraid of going to the beach, getting in the ocean, uh, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't swim in a, in a kiddie pool, I was so afraid after seeing the movie Jaws for the very first time. Um, I will say this, uh, you know, it's, I can't remember how many years ago it was now, but um, about four or five years ago, we had a summer uh, baptism at the beach, and uh, we got out there early, just like we're going to do today, and kind of everybody's out there having a good time, and uh, all of a sudden, and we were at the, you know, where the lifeguards are, they're blowing a horn and, you know, driving up and down the beach, getting everybody out of the water, and we're like, hey, what's, uh, you know, what's going on? We're getting ready to go into the water you know, for this baptism, we had a good little group of people, you know, that were going to get baptized that day. He goes, well, not, not right now, you're not. And, and I was like, well, how come? And he said, well, we've spotted a shark. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's well, so how does this work? I mean, you know, like, y'all, you know, boats come in, you know, fences, what happens? And he goes, no, no, we just wait until we haven't seen the shark for 30 minutes, and then everybody can get back out into the water. And I was like... Oh, okay, really cool. So uh, anyway, we, we, uh, you know, that, that really makes you feel so much better, by the way, doesn't it? Like there's nothing professional. No, we just hadn't seen it, you know, for 30 minutes. Like, yeah, I bet he's, uh, you know, jumping around waiting for you to see him, you know. So uh, anyway, so we all, you know, we, we decided to go ahead and go through with the baptism once the 30 minutes, uh, you know, was up. And uh, it, was, it was so cool. I was thinking, man. Wouldn't this be a story to tell, you know, like, I know some of you are like, that's sick, Pastor. But wouldn't it have been awesome, you know, like, at least you know where those people are going to heaven, right? You know, I mean, like, ah, you know, whatever. Anyway, I thought it was cool. Anyway, um, but, uh, you know, the other reason why this is such great timing for today's message and this movie is that next Sunday, July 5th, is the beginning of what in our country? Oh, come on, this is important. Shark Week, that's right, Shark Week. Like the greatest week of television in the history of modern cinema. I mean, it's awesome. Uh, Jaws, of course, is a 1975 American thriller uh, directed by whom? Anybody know? Steven Spielberg. Uh, most movie historians actually consider it to be the first of the real summer blockbusters. This was, uh, you know, the first movie in which they, uh, you know, came out with a big movie for the summer and the way they, you know, presented it. And uh, they look back and say that was the beginning of this, you know, the summer blockbuster movies. Um, of course, you know the, you know the premise, a giant man-eating great white shark has attacked uh, beachgoers at a summer resort in a little island community called Amity Island. And uh, it prompts uh, the local police chief to hunt it down. 
uh, with the help of a marine biologist and kind of a crusty old professional shark hunter. Uh, the movie Jaws became the highest grossing film in history at that time. In fact, it remained the highest grossing movie of all time in history until uh, two years later, the release of what movie? Star Wars. Very good. Uh, Jaws actually won three Academy Awards. Uh, it was nominated for Best Picture, but it lost to what film in 1975? Anybody know? Nurse Cratchit? One Who Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Okay. Let's get up on your movie trivia. Okay, now, um, now this is interesting. In 2001, Jaws was selected by the Library of Congress for preservation in the United States National Film Registry, being deemed culturally, historically, and aesthetically um, significant. So, um, it's one of my favorite movies. Great movie. Um, go see it if you haven't seen it. Go see it today before you go out to the beach. Um, but uh, the obvious hook in Scripture, of course, is what story? The story of what? Who? Jonah. Jonah. The story of Jonah. How many of you feel like you basically know the story of Jonah. Okay, four, five. Okay, that's great. Now, how about go read Jonah before you go see Jaws? But uh, no, I'm sure a lot of a lot of you do, especially even if you haven't been, uh, you know, to church. You probably feel like you're somewhat familiar with the story of Jonah. It's the story of a guy, uh, you know, who doesn't do what God wants him to do, and uh, so God puts him in the belly of a big whale. He lights a candle. The whale sneezes, throws him up on the shore, and he gets to be a real boy for the rest of his life. No! I gotcha. That's Pinocchio. That's not Jonah. Some of you still didn't know it was Jonah, did you? Okay. That's pitiful. Anyway, okay. Well, let's take a look at the real story of Jonah. And today we're really just going to focus on chapter 1 and maybe even just the very beginning of chapter 2. And I would encourage you, it's only four chapters. Go home and read the whole story for yourself. Jonah chapter 1. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. And verse 3, uh, though uh, here we see uh, Jonah's response. But Jonah did what? What does it say? Jonah ran away from the Lord, and he headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa, where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard, and he sailed for Tarshish to what? To flee. Flee from the Lord. So right now, already here in chapter 1, we know that Jonah is a man on the run from God. Look at verse 1 again. This is really kind of the, the theme of my message today, and I want you to hear this loud and clear. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Now, the good news is that the word of the Lord will come to you today. The word of the Lord will come to you today and speak to you if you'll listen and if your heart is open. Did you know that? That our God is still a God who loves to speak to people. He is a speaking God. It's, it was true all throughout history. It is true today. Our God wants to talk to you. Now, if you've never heard the voice of God, uh, you can and you will today if you open up your heart to his word, the Bible. It is described as living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing our heart. The word of the Lord will come to you. 
And I think God will speak a very specific word to you. For some of you today, he's going to challenge you to do something. Maybe to change something in your life. For some of you, he's going to come and speak a specific word for you to move in a new direction. Maybe to start a new ministry. Maybe to begin a new relationship. For some of you, he's going to come and he's going to speak a very specific word to be obedient to what he says. And maybe it's a word that you've heard many times and you've not yet listened to it. However, you are going to have a choice. You can do what God says to do or you can do exactly what Jonah did. And you can say, I'm going to go my own way. The word of the Lord will come to you. That's the good news. Is that God is alive and well, and he is speaking, and he wants to speak to you today if you'll listen. The challenging part of that, though, is this. When God's word comes to you, number one, he will often ask you to do some things that you don't want to do. He will ask you to do some things that you don't want to do. Now, the reason many times we don't want to do it, a lot of times is we believe we know what's best. We think there's a better way. We think our way is a better way. Now, this really is the context of, of Jonah. And you actually see this whole thing taking place in verse 2. Again, God says to him, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come before me. Now, you might be wondering, well, Pastor Chris, you know, I understand that Jonah is a prophet, right? And that's what prophets do. They preach, you know, the word of the Lord. So why didn't he just obey, you know, this simple command? Jonah, prophet, Nineveh, preach, go to it. I mean, what's the deal? Well, when you understand a little bit of the, the context of the history of this region, you might understand at least a little bit more of why he possibly didn't want to go. Now, here's what we know about Nineveh. Nineveh was the capital of the Syrian Empire. The Assyrians were known for their brutality, especially in the way they treat their captives. They were so brutal that when it was rumored that the Assyrians were coming to your town to attack, that most of the people in those cities typically would just drop everything and run, flee. And those who could not run or flee, history tells us that many of those people chose suicide. Because they would rather die that way than experience what they knew was coming. Because this is what they knew was coming. On top of raping, torturing, killing women and children, they would take the men outside that they captured and they would skin them alive. Now once they were skinned, they decided it was time to bury them in the sand up to their necks. Now you can imagine the, the screaming and the pain. Then they would pull their tongues out and they would drive a stake through their tongue so they would go crazy as they were dying of thirst in the middle of the desert. And then all through the night, just to even make them go even more crazy, they would force them to listen to Miley Cyrus CDs and Justin Bieber. No, that last part is not true. But everything else was true. Um, then, get this, once they died... They would behead them, and then they would pile up all the skulls, all the heads, in little pyramids 
outside the city gates, outside the city's wa city walls. So that as people approached, they would, it would basically be a sign to everyone saying, this city has been conquered. So, you know, when you know that, you know, maybe you've got a little bit more mercy for Jonah when he says, I, I don't want to go there. I mean, maybe it was fear. Maybe, we really don't know. Maybe um, he had a relative or a close personal friend uh, or someone he loved who had actually experienced that. Maybe he just didn't think they were worthy of redemption. Maybe he thought they were, um, you know, too far gone. Not worthy of forgiveness. And God says, I want you to do something. And in his mind, again, he had legitimate reasons why he didn't want to obey God. Now, my point is that maybe you can relate. Because the word of the Lord has come to you. And you've heard specifically from God, this is what I should do. And in your mind, you think, okay, God, I understand this is what you want me to do, but I don't want to do it. You see, I think there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. Perhaps somebody has wronged you or hurt you. Or maybe somebody has hurt somebody you love and the word of the Lord has come to you. Forgive that person. Forgive as you have been forgiven. And you go, man, I don't want to. They don't deserve it. I know that's what God wants me to do, but I don't want to do it. A lot of you have heard the clear teaching from the Bible on the tithe. The crystal clear teaching that God uh, entrusts all of his followers to basically manage all of his resources. And at least the first 10% of what he entrusts to us belongs to him. We don't give the tithe, we return the tithe as an act of worship. And yet you've heard that, and then you've said, I don't want to do that. Well, I mean, I know that's what God says, but in my mind, that doesn't make a lot of sense. And I like my stuff more than I want to obey God. So I don't want to do that. Maybe you're dating somebody. And he's cute. And she's pretty. And she smells good. And uh, you get close to this person and, and you get all tingly-wingly-wingly. And they get all tingly-wingly-wingly. And the next thing you know, you're doing some stuff you know you shouldn't do. And the word of the Lord will come to you. That's for marriage. That's not for dating. And so you've got a choice, just like Jonah. And an awful lot of people in our culture today will say, well, I know that's what God says, but I want to do what I want to do. You know, I don't care what God says. I, I want to do this. This feels good. This makes me feel loved. See, there's, there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us, isn't there? Maybe the word of the Lord has come to you and, and you thought, okay, now I know what I'm supposed to do, but 
I don't, I don't want to do it now. You know, I, I'll get to it later. You know, not right now. Maybe, you know, down the road when everything kind of comes together, when everything lines up, I'll get to it later. Remember, delayed obedience is really what? Disobedience. It's like that parenting technique that we've all tried that we really know doesn't work at all. You know, come on now. Come on. I, I, I need you to no, do it right now. Right now. Don't make me come over there. Okay, I'm going to start counting. One. Two. What's the next one? You know the next one. It's not three, it's what? Two and a half. You know? Where does that work? I mean, what, what are you teaching your child? You're teaching your child delayed obedience, disobedience. I mean, put, you know, you know, logically work that one out. You know, hey, stay out of the street. Don't run in the street. Don't run in the street. One, two, splat. I mean, like, come on. When, when does that ever work? Listen, somebody once said that spiritual maturity is about lag time. Lag time. Listen to this. You can tell the maturity of a person between the distance of the command of God and their obedience. You can tell the maturity of a person by the distance between the command of God and their obedience. What's your lag time? Number two, whenever God speaks, you can always find a boat sailing in the wrong direction. In the wrong direction. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. And you've been like, man, I want to obey God. I want to do the right thing. And, you know, I want to do what he's called me to do. Then all of a sudden, your old buddy calls back up and says, hey, let's go this way. Let's go back to what we used to do. Let's go back to that old life. Now watch how it plays out here in Jonah. God says, I want you to preach to the Ninevites. Verse 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord, headed for Tarshish. Then he went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and he sailed for Tarshish. Why? Because he wanted to flee from the Lord. God basically said, go east, young man, to Nineveh. And Jonah said, I'm going to go west to Tarshish. Back 2,500 miles away from the target destination. Some of you can relate to that. The word of the Lord has come to you. Here's what I want you to do. And somewhere along the way, weeks or months or maybe even years back, you said, no. God, I don't want to obey you. And you've been on the run ever since. And you think you can hide. Listen, you need to understand something. You can run for a while. But you can't run forever. It will catch up to you. And listen, you're not here today by, by mistake, by accident. God is drawing you to himself. And maybe, maybe you haven't been, it's not so much you've been on the run as much as you just started drifting. 
Now, if you've ever been to the beach, back to the, to the beach, you know what I mean when I say drifting, right? You know, you're out in the water, and you're playing with the kids, and, you know, you're having fun, and you're wrestling, and you're body surfing, and all that. And when you first walked out to the beach, all your stuff was like right here, right? You had your beach blanket, or your, you know, your towel, and your chair, and your cooler. It's all right there behind you. And then you're playing, and you're having fun, and then it could be like, 10, 15 minutes later, you look up and you turn around. What do you say? Where's what? Where's my stuff? Like, right, where, where am I? What happened? Where are we? And, and in less than like 20, you know, 15 minutes or so, you have drifted, right? You drift and, and you're like, you know, several houses. You might even be like a block or two, you know, down the beach until you look up and get back to your, your point of reference. Now, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about because maybe, you know, months or years ago, you were, you felt like you were really close to God. I mean, you did. You, you, you know what I'm talking about. You were praying. You had a prayer life, and you really felt like God was answering your prayers, and, and uh, God would prompt you to do something, and, and you would do it. And uh, he'd prompt you to say something, and, and you'd say it, and, and he'd bless it, and you felt like his hand of favor, you know, was on you, and, and the word, his word, man, was a valuable part of your everyday life, and, and you'd open it up, and you'd be like, wow, you know, God was really speaking to me today, and, and you felt like it was just a, you know, a one-on-one -on -one conversation, and you, you'd go to church, and you, you'd listen to the message, and you'd be like, man, I felt like I was the only one there. That God was speaking directly to me that, you know, Pastor Chris must have been following him or me around all week long, you know, taking notes because that was for me. But then one day, I don't know, maybe you just skipped church. Maybe you skipped again. Maybe you stopped going to life group or you stopped serving. You stopped giving. And, and whatever you stop, you, you justify it along the way by, well, I'm just okay, I'm doing okay, everything's fine. And then you put his word down, you don't read it as much anymore. And you definitely don't pray as much. And you're not seeing the hand of God in your life. And then one day, weeks or months or even years later, you ask yourself, wow, how did I get to the place where I'm at now? And it's not so much that I ran away as I just started drifting. And I didn't know what to do. Listen, when you start disobeying the commands of God, the word of God, the voice of God, the spirit of God, intentionally or even unintentionally, you are separating yourself from him. And there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. The word of the Lord will come to you. It might not be what you want to hear, but when you run, you can always find another boat sailing in the wrong direction. Number three, when you're on the run, God might send a storm to get your attention. He might send a storm to grab your attention. Verse four, then the Lord did what? The Lord sent a great wind on the sea. And such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. I don't know if you've ever been, you know, on the water in a great storm. Um, but uh, it's a scary, scary thing. Um, this ship 
we know is full of sailors. It's transporting cargo. So it would be a very strong ship. But the storm is so great that all of these salty dog sailors, okay, they are freaking out. The integrity of the ship is at risk. So they do the only thing people know to do when they're in a desperate situation. Desperate situation, They freak out, okay? They cry, they scream, they cry for help. They start to say, it's funny because they start looking to blame somebody. You know, whose fault is this? What's going on? And then they basically, you can read the whole story for yourself. They basically do this little lottery thing and they discover that it must be Jonah's fault. So they're like, hey, who are you? You know, give us your story. What did you do to bring all this on? And in verse 9, Jonah answered them and said, I am a Hebrew and I what? This is interesting. I am a Hebrew and I what? Worship the Lord, the God of heaven. I mean, you almost, like if you're there, you almost want to go, do you really, Jonah? I mean, like, okay, like you're going to throw around the God talk at this point in your life. I mean, are you really worshiping the Lord God of heaven? You know, he said, I am a Hebrew. I worship the Lord God of heaven who made the sea and the land. And this terrified them and they said, well, what in the world have you done? You know, I mean, you worship the God who created all this stuff. And then, we're, you know, so what's happened? It says they knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. So he's in trouble. All of a sudden, he starts claiming that he worships God. You know, one of the biggest problems in America today is that we have a generation of people who call themselves Christians. And yet, they don't live like it at all. Now, I mean, come on. I mean, the truth is we're all a little bit like that, right? I mean, we're all in the process of becoming more and more. I mean, God sees us as perfect. I'm not not talking about perfection, but I'm talking about people who, if you ask them, you know, hey, are are you a Christian? They're like, oh, yeah. Oh, sure. I, I go to church, you know, every so often. That's, you know, that church, you know, over there, that's my church, and you know, I'm Catholic, or I'm Methodist, or I'm Baptist, and, and uh, you know, hey, I'm the guy they asked to say the family prayer at Thanksgiving. That's me, you know, and uh, um, when people get sick, they want me to pray for them, and I do, and, and uh, I get sick, I pray, I think I'll make it to heaven. You know, sure, I'm a Christian. You know, I'm, uh, I'm not as bad as my neighbor, you know. I'm better than Bob, the guy I work with, but there's nothing. Nothing in their everyday life that resembles Jesus. There's no relationship with him. It doesn't affect their everyday life. Sure, just like Jonah, I worship God. Do you? I mean, just because you're here, and we sang a few songs earlier, we're going to sing a couple more here in a minute, That doesn't really mean that you worship God. I mean, worshiping God is not something you do just for a certain day of the week for a certain amount of time. It's a lifestyle. Yeah, I worship the God of heaven and earth, then I go home and I yell and scream at my kids and I beat my wife. Worship God? Sure, I worship God, then I go play 18 rounds of golf and and use the Lord's name in vain every single hole. Yeah, I worship God. We're a Christian couple. We even have a Bible. It sits right over there on the coffee table. See it? But our marriage hasn't been so good for a while, and 
we're not too happy, so I think we're going to divorce. That'd be better for everybody. I know what God says, but I don't want to do what he says. So these sailors are freaking out. It's a big storm. Jonah finally realizes what maybe some of you have come to recognize and realize. It's my fault. I'm the one. In fact, I'm hurting all these innocent people by my disobedience to God. Have you gotten to that point yet? He owns up to it. You see it in verse 12. He says, pick me up and throw me into the sea and it will become calm. I know that it's my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Now instead, the sailors decide that they're going to have mercy on him and they're going to try to row back to shore. So that doesn't work. And finally, it's like, okay, we're all going to die. We really have no other option. Jonah, we are sorry, but we are going to throw you overboard. We don't want to do this. And then they throw him overboard. Now then, something unbelievably bad happens, at least from our perspective, from our human mind. Now, if you know the story of Jonah, you know at this point, he gets swallowed up by a what? A big fish is really what the Bible says. A big fish. I mean, when you think about that, that is just unbelievably nasty, isn't it? I mean, how many of you do not like the feel of the sliminess or the smell of fish? Raise your hand. I mean, raw fish. I mean, just fish out out of the water. Can you imagine the sliminess and the smell of a fish from inside the fish? I mean, that's some nasty, smelly stuff. So, number four, and we're going to make this short and leave with this one. Jonah's worst nightmare was exactly what, what, what he needed. His worst nightmare was exactly what he needed. Verses 15 through 17 tell the story. And again, I challenge you maybe to go home today and read the rest of Jonah for yourself. It says, then they took Jonah and threw him overboard, and the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered sacrifice to the Lord, and they made vows to him. Isn't that interesting that when someone finally comes clean, that other people in the story, that other people in, that, in his sphere of influence come to know God? Verse 17, check this out. But the Lord did what? The Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah. God's not done with Jonah yet. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Now, here's what's interesting, and I'm just going to make a quick point, and we're going to pray together. The Lord provided that fish. The Lord provided that fish. I mean, what, what Jonah would see, and I'm sure what we would see, as the worst possible scenario. I mean, like, you know, he's got to be thinking, well, you know, I could float, you know, I could lay on my back, and, you know, at least now, you know, the storm has subsided. No, 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 no. The worst possible thing happened, and, and God did it. Some of you right now may be facing what you would consider to be your worst nightmare. I mean, some of you right now financially, you may, you may be thinking, man, I am done. It is over. It, it, is, it is done. And God may be saying, okay, now do I have your attention? Some of you might be facing a relationship that you think couldn't have gotten any worse than it is right now. 
And maybe God is trying to shout at you saying, do I have your attention yet? Now, what I am not saying is that God caused the pain in your life. Because I don't believe that. But here's what I do believe. That there are times where God may allow what we consider to be the worst nightmare so that he could fully get your attention and bring you home. The word of the Lord will come to you. And you have a choice. Obey or disobey. Now, when God speaks to you and you choose to disobey, you can always find a ship headed in the wrong direction. But if you don't obey him, he might just send a storm to grab your attention. And then if that doesn't work, he might just allow you to face your worst nightmare. If that happens, understand this. It is all because he loves you. And he wants you to come home. He's got something for you to do. You know, like Jonah, he's got a city. He's got a group of people for you to impact. Now, you've got a choice. You can keep running and running or drifting and drifting. Or you could turn around and take one step back to him. See, there's a little bit of Jonah in all of us. I pray today that you would come home. Bow your heads and pray with me. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for the story of Jonah, uh, the reluctant prophet. God, so often um, we are just like him. Your word comes. You speak to us. It's clear. It's plain. And we choose to go our own way. Father, I just pray that right here and right now, we just admit that that never works. That you have a better way and a better plan. It's life, and it's life more abundantly. It's life in a relationship with your son, Jesus. Listen, today you can have that. Today you can... You don't have to drift. Today, you don't have to run. You can choose to listen and obey and come home and follow the word of the Lord. Listen, cry out to God today. Maybe for the very first time in your life, you come clean. You turn around. In fact, in, in your turning around, it is though you are turning your back on that way of life. You're turning your back on your sin. You're turning your back on those decisions to disobey. You're turning your back on that drifting away. The Bible word for that is repentance. And you turn toward God today. And there is no sinner's prayer in the Bible, but it's a way of expressing your heart to God because that's what's important. That's what he sees and knows today. Cry out to him and say, God, I believe. I believe that Jesus really is your son. I believe you sent him to this earth. He, he is your word that became 
flesh and I disobeyed. I walked away. Today I believe I come home. I know that he went to that cross for me. My sin, my mistakes, my screw-ups put him on that cross. And today I believe that he was making the payment, paying the price for my sin. And just like Jonah was in the belly of that, that great fish for three days and for three nights, my Savior Jesus was in the earth for three days, and he rose from the dead, and he is alive. And I believe that today, and I put my faith and my trust in, in him and him alone and what he did for me. I no longer feel like I have to earn my approval, work for my salvation. No, Father, I believe in the gospel, the good news of Jesus coming to this earth, making payment for my sin, rising from the dead, having power over sin and death, and he is alive. And for the rest of my days, God, I just want to follow Jesus. I want to live for you. I, don't want, I want to become more and more like you see me today clean and brand new and when you speak today father i want that lag time to be really really short between the time i hear your word and i obey may it become shorter and shorter and shorter may i hear your word instantly and want to obey father we love you thank you for this church may we be a church that shares that good news of the gospel that loves people we don't know any better than to, to love people, than to accept them right where they are, no matter how far away they feel they have drifted or run away from you. And may we lovingly share the truth. And the truth is a person. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And his name is Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.